Welcome everyone to the PGR cast. Today we are here with Peter Broberg. Peter is a visiting researcher doing a placement at the Bristol Composites Institute and he is visiting from the University of Aalborg where he's doing a PhD on manufacturing of composites for wind turbine blade applications. So welcome Peter, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you and thank you for having me. Um, so first question then, how did you end up in Bristol? Yeah, so um, as you said, I'm a PhD student back in, uh, in Denmark at Aalborg University. Um, and as a part of the PhD studies in Denmark, we have to do some um, research abroad. We have to, to visit an external institution just to, to be sure that we don't get uh, too much uh, of um, research uh, input, if you can call it Tunnel that. vision. Yeah, tunnel yeah. vision in, in the mm-hmm. research group. So we have to go out. Uh, and, and normally that's the, uh, abroad, so we have to leave, uh, leave Denmark. Um, yeah, and then that's, uh, that's what started me to look for, for places to go. And uh, luckily we have some connections previously with the uh, University of Bristol and I've been doing some collaboration with them previously. So um, it was easy for me to get in touch with the, mm-hmm. the professors over here. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's so really that, that's, good. That's really nice, yeah. And that's really good that they have that scheme in place. Exactly, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it was quite simple. So I just uh, wrote to a professor over here and asked if I could visit him. And uh, I'll be fully paid by my own institution, so they shouldn't worry about uh, any uh, mm-hmm. cost or extra cost of, of, of me or having me here. Uh, and I'll fund it myself. And, um, yeah, and then I just need a desk and uh, some supervision. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. And, and how long are you going to be based over here then? Uh, I've been here for three and a half months, uh, and uh, I'm leaving tomorrow. So, oh, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> it, it is, uh, just before you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a three to six months usually. You you stay abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, how has that affected, or how does that change your thesis timeline? Rather, so does this does the work that you do here in Bristol go towards your research and your thesis? Do you have an extension? How does it work? Uh, it is uh, yeah, mandatory, so uh, so it will not it will not uh, automatically make you extend your thesis. So um, so in my case, uh, they have a lot of um, um, skills over here um, that, that are really useful for my project. So so it helped me a lot to be over here, and uh, in that way, it will you know make my work progress faster and uh, yeah, helps me get my my work done before before the the deadline yeah sounds ideal yeah. so talk about tunnel vision yeah what what have you learned from both your research group and also living in bristol as an experience yeah i've <laughs> learned uh, first of all a lot of uh, of the differences in in how uh, phd life is uh, mm. in denmark and it, uh, how it is in in the uk compared to that um, so that that's one thing. I think that's very useful to to see how other people do it, you know. And uh, is there something we can learn from that, and I can bring back home to to Denmark when I when I return? Um, and then, of course, there's also been all the the more technical uh, things, uh, very specific to to the things that I'm working on, with, uh, which I probably won't mention here because it'll be too too technical. <laughs> too, 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 too technical, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are two sides to it, you can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what are the main differences between a PhD in the UK and a PhD in Denmark that you can tell us? Yeah, so maybe you can help me a little bit because I'm, I, I've been a little bit confused about your system here in the, <laughs> in, in, the, in the UK. But as I understand it, it's four years you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, In Denmark, it's usually three years. Um, and then you usually have to uh, have uh, courses for what's equivalent to a half a year. And then uh, have... Um, uh, we're going to help your institution for another half of a year. And that's uh, 
uh, usually through teaching or other uh, such activities. Uh-huh. So you yeah. have to find your own funding through teaching activities? Uh, yeah, so you're actually employed by the university, or I am employed mm-hmm. by university, and then I, I need to also mm-hmm. uh, help the, uh, the other way mm-hmm. with, the, with this teaching. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, that's curious because at the very least here at the University of Bristol, PhD students are considered students, not staff. Yeah. But we are allowed to take on uh, teaching assistant roles, and we just get paid on an hourly basis for mm. the for, for those. Yeah. Yeah, the sort of line between student and staff here is quite blurry um, because yeah. Yeah. PGRs often get included with bits of staff, but then still referred to as students. Okay. So it's, yeah, it sounds like the, the Danish system is a little bit more clear-cut where you lie, and I think that's probably to your advantage as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, that's also one of the, the big differences I notice is that back home in Denmark, I feel more like an employee of the university, uh, and we are sharing offices, and that obviously depends on where, which university and what group you're in. Mm-hmm. But, but at, at our group, we share offices with all the professors and uh, and we all go out to lunch uh, each day, and uh, yeah, so so we feel more employed in Denmark, uh, whereas in, in in Bristol it's more like this student feeling. Mm. So what does that mean, for example, in terms of supervisor relationships? So here, I don't, well, I don't know any PhD student that shares an office with their supervisor, no. for example. So I would find that quite strange yeah, because yeah. there's a there's a clear line between uh, you know the academics mm. and yeah. lecturers and professors and the postgraduate. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, it is. Uh, I think it's it's more of a, a, a friendly relationship you have with your supervisor when you share office, of course, mm-hmm. because you you'll be with them, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, all day, every day, almost. I mean, I um, think that's really important so, so, because it's a really long time to work. Together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a supervisor relationship is is one of the most important things I think in the, in the PhD uh, mm. studies because. Uh, you can't do it alone, and uh, if you try to do it, then you'll feel much lonely and and and, and stressful, maybe. So, mm-hmm. I think it's very important to have this uh, strong supervisor relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about cohorts? So, for example, when I started my PhD, I started at the same time as three other girls, yeah. and I believe two guys that started at the same time. Um, and then together with the PhDs in the years above and the years below, we we consider ourselves a cohort, and we have a bit of a community feel of. Yeah. Um, you know, we all do different projects, but within the same wider field of research. Yeah. Do you have that in Denmark? Um, maybe some places, um, but I would say that at um, the department I'm a, a PhD student at, uh, we don't have that cohort feeling. So I would also say that's one of the, the good things I, I, I find over here in Bristol and other things I experienced, that we have more of this... Uh, togetherness feeling of the PhD students and you have a, a large uh, a large offices where you share desks and I think that's a very good thing mm-hmm. because then you get to talk to each other mm-hmm. um, yeah, and get this collaboration. Uh, it's a really good student community. It's a really good student community, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also important. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yes. so of course there's uh, yeah, strong and weak points with, with, with both things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're going to have to rewire your brain when you get back to... I have to rewire, uh, exactly. You know, adult, employee, <laughs> yeah, ad- yeah, yeah, I have to be more adult again now. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, out of curiosity, do you know anything about the academic ladder, uh, career ladder progression in Denmark? Yeah, maybe something about mm-hmm. it. Um, I think that... Um, 
that uh, the, the amount of PhD students ending up in a full-time position at university is, is quite low. Um, I think it's around 3% or something of, of all PhD okay. uh, students that actually end up with a, full, uh, a, a full-time job at university. Where do the other 97% um, go? Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I'm not quite sure about uh, the, the actual uh, <laughs> stats, but I think um, the first 50% uh, goes to industry right after the, the, PhD, okay. the PhD. Uh, and then the other uh, 50% goes to or uh, goes to um, uh, short-term uh, positions at universities, uh, postdocs, uh, maybe industrial uh, researchers or something. Um, yeah. I mean, that was going to be one of my questions, yeah. but, you, but you've answered it. What is the link to industry doing when you do a PhD in Denmark and if you can compare it to that in the UK? So, for example... Uh, both Matt and myself do industrially sponsored or supported PhDs. Mm. Um, that doesn't guarantee a job offer at the end, mm. but it is heavily, the work and the research that we do is heavily linked to real life problems. Yeah. Is that also the case in Denmark with PhDs being sponsored by industrial companies? Uh, yes, yeah, so you can actually have what's called an industrial PhD um, where the uh, university and the um, and, 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 um, company mm-hmm. will share the, the the money for the for the project, mm-hmm. and then you'll be yeah, you'll be employed by the by the. Um, mm-hmm. Is uh, that the by, case by, by, for your PhD? No, that's not the case for mine. Okay. Um, so, so my my project uh, is a, a project together with a collaboration with some industrial partners in mm-hmm. in Denmark as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they so have they have a stake, but they don't financially support the project. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've, they have put some money into the project, but we also got some money for some uh, grants. Uh, and um, yeah, and the university has also put some money into it. Mm-hmm. So, but but I'm employed by the university, so they get a, get a share of this money in the in the project, and then I'm employed on that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Is there a lot of people who are employed directly by their industrial sponsor? And do their PhD through that way? Yeah. So doing this uh, industrial PhD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Uh, Quite a lot. I think there's more PT students doing the the other way, where you have, are employed by the university. Uh, but but yeah, I think it's uh, quite a lot of people do it. I'm not sure about the the actual numbers. Uh, sure. yeah. That's quite a rare situation here. I think that you would ever be employed directly by a company while you're doing a PhD. And some companies will let you leave their company and sponsor your PhD. But I think during that time you're then more you're working for the university than the company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's quite interesting to see that you can stay within the realms of a company and be doing a PhD at a different university. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So, so when you have this system, then um, then then instead of doing the the teaching for the university, you have to do uh, you know task for or help the the company instead. Right. Um, yeah. So, so where do you see yourself then? Are you going to be ninety seven percent? Industry? Or are you going <laughs> to be three percent? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know actually. Um, I would, I would not uh, mind uh, either. Uh, so I'll be happy to, to to take a postdoc if I if the opportunity arises, mm-hmm. and also be happy to 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 go to industry. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, I like to 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 hold my doors open or, or have some opportunities because yeah. um, there's a lot of uncertainty involved in it. Mm-hmm. So I think it can be sometimes um, it can be risky to to just. Uh, um, put all your eggs in put, one basket. Exactly, put yes. all eggs in one basket, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. <laughs> put all the money in one horse. Or <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I like to keep it a little bit open, uh, keep the options open, yeah. And what sort of drove you to start doing a PhD in the first place? Was it an interest in a particular topic or were you just sort of, you wanted to, as you say, 
play the field and, and see where you go afterwards. Yeah, so it was actually, I've, I've always loved uh, the university uh, uh, style environment, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, uh, uh, learning new stuff and, uh, and making nice things, uh, researching and stuff like that. So, so it's always been something that I have been considered uh, uh, would be, be a nice way, to, uh, nice work to have. Uh, um, but I'm also, also, before doing the PhD, also considered going to industry afterwards. Um, and we've been very lucky in Denmark with the uh, with the mechanical engineering students that they have um, f for my studies they have they have uh, uh, for the past I can remember if it's 15 years something uh, all who has graduated have, have got the job so we have zero percent uh, unemployment yeah so so I feel quite sure that I'll find something after the master studies. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, also PC, but I kept my, my doors open at, at that point also. Um, but, but yeah, I finished my studies in uh, 2020, mm -hmm. and that was when COVID hit. Oh no, and, uh, you were the cohort, the yeah, COVID exactly. cohorts. So, yeah, exactly. So at that time, the um, yeah, a lot of companies made this uh, policy of not employing new ones. Uh, yeah, so, so that meant that it was difficult to get um, uh, employed in, in industry. But uh, I was very lucky that there was an open PhD uh, position at the university. So at that point, it was just a no-brainer for me to, to, to apply for that because uh, mm -hmm. uh, if I would get it, it would be uh, job security for, for the next three years for, uh, in this uncertain times with COVID and everything. So, mm -hmm. yeah. How competitive is our PhD roles in Danish universities or in Alborg, for example? Do you know? Uh, yeah, competitive in, in how to get them or... Or say, like, number of applicants per you know, PhD uh, position that there would be. Yeah, I actually don't know the, the, the numbers, the, the, the yeah. numbers no, but um, I think there is a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just one or two, um, because yeah. you get it from all over the world. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And how, if, if you know, how does most... How does funding work for PhDs in Denmark? So uh, yeah. here we have the EPSRC, so that's government-funded primarily. Um, and then obviously we have what you described as the industry top-up yeah. for some PhD um, PhDs that are industry-sponsored. Yeah. Is that the same scheme in Denmark? Is it mostly government-backed, the funding? Um yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure, but but I think it, it's mostly these uh, government uh, grants and uh, uh, yeah, re research uh, uh, funds that, that that put money into it. Uh, yeah, but 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 I can't give, give the, <laughs> the right number. <laughs> no right, so uh, yeah. So now that you're heading back tomorrow, how long have you got left on the PhD? Uh, around one year, so I should be finished okay. with it uh, by yeah, August next year. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah. About the same time I'm done then. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and that will be three years? That or? will be three years in total, yeah. Okay, so. and does that include the write-up of your thesis? Yeah, that includes everything. So, okay. so yeah, so that's the, the amount of time that I, that I get the, the money uh, for the, from the university. So that's the amount of time I'm employed. Um, mm -hmm. So I can, of course, um, uh, find money other ways and then, um, then just continue on working with my PhD um, in my spare time. Um, that that's all right, but but it's uh, it's just the amount of time that I get to to get the uh, the money from the university. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. kind of want it done for that deadline, exactly. so you can, exactly. you can get on with something else. Yeah. I mean that's that's really 
uh, ambitious, <laughs> can, well, yeah, ba- based on some of the experiences. That- I think it's also ambitious, yeah. But I think also a lot of people get to extend it with some months or, or what they need to uh, find some money for that. Um, it's, it's not uncommon, so... Mm-hmm. So it's not like uh, you have to do it by, by three months or three years. Yeah. 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 You have some flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So bringing it back to 2020, one of the topics that we've discussed previously in the yeah. podcast is how undergraduate degrees, at least we've kept it to here in the UK, prepare uh, the student for postgraduate research. Yeah. And we sort of discussed and agreed that in the UK, at the very least, it doesn't, it doesn't do it. You know, an undergraduate degree doesn't do a postgraduate degree justice. Um, you know, I remember coming into my PhD and not really knowing how to read papers and synthesize the information. Um, but then I was also very new in my research topic. Did you have something like a master's research project that you did? Uh, and how prepared did you feel from your, I believe you said, mechanical engineering degree yeah. going into your PhD? Yeah, actually, I felt quite prepared for it. Um, obviously, there's there's always uh, differences, uh, but but um, but in in uh, Albion University, we have this uh, P- PB, uh, PBL problem based learning approach to to, to uh, teaching undergrads, and that that means that uh, most of the the um, the semester will be with working with uh, projects uh, related to maybe industry or. Or, or, or something, uh, something else, but but projects that uh, where they can get to choose what uh, methods they want to use in that project, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, that's a good way to to, to learn <coughs> in the the younger uh, semesters. And, but but you get up to the the masters and, and closer to to the the degree, then uh, these projects get more and more uh, research uh, oriented. So you get to get some research uh, related work. It, it's not. It's not pure research because you. The important thing when doing the undergrad is that you get to 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 um, to learn everything that you need to learn uh, to get the uh, to to get the um, yeah the <coughs> exam the yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. So so obviously when you end the undergrad you you're more concerned with what you need to learn. Um, so 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 the um, research part is is uh, is not the most important, but. At the uh, university, with the group work and project le- work, uh, you get some of it, or some feeling of it. But it's of course not the main main point of the group work because when you go to the exam, you'll not be judged by how good research you did. You'll be judged by how how well you 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 um, yeah, follow the the learning goals or how well you did with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. But did you generally feel going into the PhD, you knew what to expect out of the work? Um, no, I would say that PhD <laughs> is, is, is totally uh, yeah unpredictable when you have you've not tried it. So uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, we're yeah. all in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, how most people experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, certainly. There's some key words that have come up again and again in the podcast series, like imposter syndrome and yeah. you know resilience. Yeah. So just the sheer amount of hours. You know, three or four years isn't a light undertaking to be looking at a, a very specific topic. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, d- I mean, I don't know about masters in Denmark, but my masters research project started in September and ended in May. Yeah. So that is, you know, well under a year. Yeah. Um, and with that also came maybe maybe this is something that you can relate to is um, the relief of handing in 
deadlines. Yeah. Whereas with the PhD, yes, sure, we have shorter yeah, deadlines yeah. like conference papers and presentations, but you still have this massive weight, exactly. which is the big deadline yeah. that just never leaves exactly. until you. Until yeah, I think you're you're totally right about that. <laughs> and also, when you're doing the 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 yeah, um, undergrads, you uh, you always have these deadlines with the exams, mm -hmm. and you get feedback very often on yeah. how it's doing. And also, you know what you need to do. Yes, and yes. You, you have it's like to, a recipe. You, exactly, yeah. you have the curriculum and you have the literature. Mm -hmm. So you know. You can achieve it in some way. Uh, it requires hard work, of course, but but it's, it's doable. Um, so I think the combination of this um, list of, of, of what you need to learn and literature, and also this um, uh, exams, uh, um, often exams and feedback, mm -hmm. it helps to take a little bit of the pressure um, mm -hmm. from from the undergrads. And, and when you don't have that in the PhD, then the pressure can build up mm -hmm. because you don't get these this feedback uh, this feedback that often. Yeah, that's very true. Okay. Well, so, so Peter and I actually met in a conference and something that I wanted to ask is obviously uh, ignoring the, the beginning, which was COVID, yeah. what have been the opportunities to network? Um, obviously, you came here to Bristol through a very strong network between yeah. Alborg and Bristol. Yeah. Um, but what have been your experiences of attending both online and in-person conferences and any upcoming conferences that yeah, you might... Yeah, I think... Um I think first of all the online conferences. I've only attended one of them, uh, and it was with something related to my master's work. Um, so I didn't get that much out of it. Uh, I made a pre-recorded presentation, and then I was on the sofa and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's and the presentation? What's the presentation? And then the presentation stopped, and then there was just silence. <laughs> so it was. <laughs> yeah, it was not, uh, you know, a nice uh, experience. Well, not bad either, but it was just like. Uh, so your supervisor asked, "What was the level of engagement?" You were like, mm, yeah. <laughs> "Lots of interest." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, the online conferences is not something that I have that good experience with. But uh, on the other hand, I think that um, after COVID um, uh, or in, in the in the spring, um, and attending, I've attended some conferences, both national and um, the conference in uh, in Portugal that we attended together, and it's been uh, really amazing, I would say. So I was before attending the conferences, I was a little bit annoyed because then I had to do a conference paper and had to prepare a lot of things. Uh, and you know, when you're doing research, you just want to sit with your, your very specific problems and try to solve them. So I was a little bit annoyed spending time on making this and, uh, and thought, uh, is, is it even worth it? And uh, I didn't know how conferences were because I just had the uh, online experience. So I didn't know how, how good it was. But then uh, coming to the conferences, it's just been amazing because you get to talk with a lot of uh, different people in your field. So you get a more of a sense of uh, how your project relates to uh, all other projects going on in this field, mm -hmm. and, and you get some um, yeah connection with with uh, contacts with, with with people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all about leaving that tunnel vision. And as it's well. about leaving exactly mm -hmm. about leaving the tunnel vision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's it it is a great experience it's a if great they experience. are abroad exactly. and in a sunny country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. very great experience. Yeah, and also people are so nice at conferences. They come and uh, because you always think. When you do uh, the work, you're always uh, looking at the, the bad things or the things that you can improve. Mm -hmm. So I think um, sometimes you can have a tendency to to have a, a bad uh, outlook on your work that you think that... Uh, very self-critical. Yeah, very yes. self-critical, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's bad work I'm doing and uh, because you're only looking at the things you want to fix. Mm -hmm. um, but going to a conference, you have to present the work 
um, and have to zoom a little bit out and then people can see that it's actually nice work you've been doing and you've come a long way yeah. and then you get this good feedback and I think it helps very much for the motivation also. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a nice side effect of it. You get to see other people's work and the challenges that they faced and they can sort of show you that the work that you've been doing has been valuable, it yeah. fits in with their work and the rest of the work in the conference and yeah, yeah you see how much you've grown through it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I mean my uh, reaction, if I'm honest, was, oh, people actually care about <laughs> yeah, my exactly. work. Um, <laughs> and, you know, here's, here's me thinking, oh, everyone's, everyone's seen this, it's just another, you know, yeah, exactly. this, this and this. Yeah. But you don't see the, nu the nuances of how your work is different from all of the literature. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was something that I had to overcome, is for the longest time I... I kept saying to my supervisor, but what's the novelty? What am I adding? Yeah, and yeah. that really it, helps. It can be really diff difficult to see the novelty and mm -hmm. uh, when, you are, when you're deep into it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think you alluded to, to what your favorite part of, uh, let's call it, the research process might yes, be. Yeah. But if I asked you, so between collecting data, post-processing the data, writing up the data, and disseminating and presenting it, I mean, that's a very very specific research flow that I said there, but what yeah. would you say is your favorite part of performing research? So my favorite part, yeah, obviously it is uh, conferences and, uh, and talking with other researchers, but, but um, I think the, the thing that I find most enjoyable is um, doing the, the um, work with um, making models and um, yeah, gathering data and then interpreting the data. I think that's... Uh, that's what I find most enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of data, uh, and then, um, then why, why does what does this data tell you? I think that's the the most interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Trying to you know um, um, figure out what's going on here. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the light bulb moment. The light bulb, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, you have to connect the pieces and everything. I think that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And you can sort of see it coming together in real time. So this is what the research looks like. This is the story that is unraveling yeah, for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a nice thing when you connect all these dots because you have a lot of uh, data and from different places and then suddenly you can start to connect something and uh, mm -hmm. before you know it, then you can, you can see some bigger pictures. And I think the process of experience that is, is one of the things that I like the most with doing research. Mm -hmm. yeah. And bringing it back to the whole um, imposter syndrome or not knowing whether your work is good enough. It is all about what, what you're adding to the knowledge and the literature base that's out there yeah. already. Um, and it's those those little, okay, this is what my set of data that I've collected in this way and that I've compiled together in this particular way, yeah. this is what it adds to what's already out there and why it's different or does it agree or disagree. So that's that's something that I've had to learn um, in, in the process of, yeah. of putting out papers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because mm -hmm. it's, um, as you said, it's very important with this. Uh, when is the research good enough? Mm -hmm. Because I think there might sometimes be a tendency to, also because of what we talked about with this being so self-critical, that mm -hmm. you you're just going to tunnel vision and you're going to try to improve and improve and improve because you think it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe in this process you have lost some good publications that mm -hmm. would that would be good enough. Um, so it's like, uh, yeah. You use a lot of time to making it perfect, and uh, sometimes it doesn't need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so speaking of publications, um, I've often heard 
uh, I'm not certain that this is the case, but there seems to be a big pressure, especially for supervisors or academics that are further along their career, Mm. to output more and more publications. Yeah. You know, more is more kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. How... Have you experienced that whilst here in Bristol? Was the intention of you coming to Bristol always to, you know, the end end deliverable to be a publication? And how do publications play a part in the academic role? Yeah, I would say in Bristol, I've I've never felt pressure on that at all. Uh, I think, um, uh, of course, you can say that it's kind of the uh, currency you bring when you go as a as a visiting PhD that I will be here as self-funded but as long as you give, give me a desk then um, yeah, then I, I will give you uh, uh, some publications um, but I've never felt any pressure over here the uh, supervisors uh, and uh, professors I've been working with have been uh, really nice and helpful and uh, that's been a really good experience mm-hmm. and they yeah so they also they're still helpful even though I'm going back to to Denmark. So a lot of good support. So in Bristol, I've never felt any pressure. In Denmark, I've never felt any pressure too. I would say, uh, but I think in Denmark the system uh, for universities when they employ uh, or have some open positions is that they look at the age index of the researchers. So the age index is, is based on uh, your your publications and how many citations it has. Uh, so I think in general in Denmark there's a lot of pressure when you go further off the PhD and want to make a career out of uh, the, the academia, yeah. then there's a lot of pressure to to publish a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine because that. otherwise you yeah. will not get the positions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine that would be the case for postdocs. Yeah, I think that's the case here. That if you you want to progress to lectureship, you need to show that you've contributed to your field and are starting to become a, yeah. a leading figure within it. I yeah, exactly. And I think it's the same in Denmark. If you if you want to continue after the postdoc, then you have to put a lot of work into it to, mm-hmm. to, to publish a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how does the, the thesis uh, work in Denmark? How can you, for example, create a thesis by publication? Yeah. Um, how strict is the deadline? Do you have a, a viva? Um, how many people review it? Yeah, so I think you have some opportunities. Uh, you can either choose to do a monologue, a monograph uh, of it, which is just uh, 200, 300 pages um, uh, of, of, of the things you've been researching during your, your thesis. No uh, biggie, just 300 pages. Just, uh, <laughs> it's nothing. <laughs> An afternoon's work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's one route you can, you can choose. And the other one is by uh, making a collection of papers and then uh, writing an extended summary. Um, of the papers uh, and that's the route I'm going to take um, because it maybe it's a little bit more um, risk-free to do it this way because then you get the papers peer-reviewed uh, before you hand in the thesis so you get a uh, kind of a approval stamp on it that, uh, that's, that this is good enough um, so you have a little bit more you can be a little bit more uh, calm at the yeah, secure at the yeah. at, at the final uh, yeah, final defense of the thesis you're sort of getting some yeah. feedback as you go that exactly, exactly, the, the yeah. work you're doing is relevant and yeah, valuable. Exactly. And what about the Viva? I don't know in which country it was where you can do a Viva and your family and friends can attend. So it's an <laughs> yeah, open... Uh, a Viva just uh, needs to... Uh, a Viva is, is, the, is the actual is defense. The defense. defense. Sorry, okay, the yeah. defense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in Denmark it is like this. So, so the actual Viva, the mm-hmm. defense is... Um, 
is that you have a, a presentation and it, it is public, so your friends, your family uh, will, will usually come uh, to see it. So, so you usually have a, a, a huge audience with the auditorium full, uh, and then you have the assessment committee in the front, uh, and then you have to present your work. Yeah. So, so does so that mean that you have to make your work accessible to to your mum? Yeah. You, usually, usually you you make the first part accessible for for all, so they can uh, get to learn what you have been doing uh, the last few years. Uh, and also get something out of it. Uh, and then, of course, you also need to get technical. So mm -hmm. then you'll transgress over to some of the more technical stuff. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. And do your friends and family get to ask questions? If they want to, they, they can do it. <laughs> so, so do, you, do you pay them? <laughs> yeah. to, to ask the right questions. <laughs> I've not heard about that, but uh, <laughs> it's impossible. Seven minutes of 33, mother, you <laughs> must ask <Yeah>. this. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, yeah, they can they can do that. So that's uh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and do you find that more nerve wracking doing it in front of a larger audience, or would you prefer it just being in front of the judging committee? Yeah, it's difficult to say before I've been in it, but sure. uh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I think um, yeah, I think it's nice that your family is there because then uh, yeah. it gives some calm, you know, and it's like uh, yeah. And you have that sense of, you know, you want to make your friends and family proud and you want to show off what you've done. Ex exactly, yeah. yeah. And they, they don't know anything about the technical stuff, so they don't know if you get roasted. It's <laughs> 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 they will not sure. notice it. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so I, think, um, yeah, I, I think it's nice, but I, yeah, I think it's, it's a good thing um, that the family is there. <laughs> and how long is the whole process? It's presumably not eight or nine hours that like you can get here. No, I, I think it's... Uh, around four hours or something so okay. you have still, um, still quite a lot yeah you have one hour presentation and then you, you go to the discussion rounds for around three hours or something I think mm -hmm. uh, so that's the uh, yeah. and out of curiosity I mean you said that there is zero percent unemployment from your master's course in, in yeah. Denmark which is incredible but how is a PhD considered in Denmark versus say in the UK, if you can make that comparison. Yeah, um, I can. I can talk about Denmark first because mm -hmm. um, the PhD doesn't um, make your job opportunities uh, markedly better than uh, than a master's, um, and you won't feel a, a huge difference in salary either. Mm -hmm. um, so, oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you want to do a PhD, Denmark is because you think it's very interesting and you want to to work with it. Um, or if you want to have an, uh, a career in academia, of course. Um, but if you if you want to go to industry uh, and don't really have interest in the academic uh, part of it, then you should just do that. Because doing a PhD will just be three years that you can't make a, a progress of your career in the industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's very much mm -hmm. a personal choice and a personal professional endeavor. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That is that is a shame, and I. I think that is definitely the case for some industries um, as well, is here in the UK. I want to say it's not the case as much in other countries like Germany, for example. Yeah, I where think that plays a huge role in Germany. If you, mm -hmm. yeah. mm. if you have a PhD, then you have a lot more opportunities and yeah. higher salary. Yeah. Yeah. So are you tempted to move out of Denmark to somewhere that values a PhD more, or are you sort of happy doing the PhD just as the personal development side of things? Um, I, I think I'm happy with the personal development okay. and, stay, and staying in Denmark. Um, mm. Yeah, so, so it's not because uh, yeah, 
I think I'm, as long as I'm happy with my job, uh, the money is not that, that big of an issue. So I, I if, uh, if you were offered a postdoc position in Bristol, would you take it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> we wouldn't say no straight away. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so you know, taking it out of the, the work chat and conversation, how has your day-to-day looked like here in Bristol and how does that compare to Denmark? Have you found the same type of hobbies or new hobbies and new pubs? Yeah, <laughs> I, I find a lot of pubs in, uh, in Bristol. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think back in Denmark I, I usually have a very tight schedule uh, okay. because I do a lot of uh, I train karate and uh, uh, teaching a lot of people in karate also through the week mm-hmm. uh, and then I have um, all my friends and family in, uh, close uh, to me in Elberg also so I have a a very tight schedule um, with activities mm. and uh, obviously coming to Bristol uh, all this was, was gone so I had the opportunity to to do some other things um, and that's been the primary the, the pubs <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah. so which sort of lifestyle have you preferred or have you just enjoyed the, the change from the quite organized and hectic lifestyle to yeah. something a bit more relaxed. I, I enjoyed the, the change uh, because it is it is hectic and, uh, and it was nice coming here and just uh, now I don't have any uh, obligations or anything I want I need to be after after university uh, but in the end also I found that I also needed something to do because uh, yeah if, if you just focus on your PhD the whole of the day um, it, it takes over I think sometimes uh, and then you only think about the PhD and uh, then you get some of the uh, the negative uh, side effects that you can yeah, get. So for mental fitness is good too. Mental fitness is good, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I was very lucky that I have uh, had a lot of visitors over here. Um, that's one thing. And then I've also started uh, doing certain things like uh, every Monday I went to a pub playing backgammon with some oh, uh, nice. people. Yeah. <laughs> so I can, I can so recommend, niche. I can re- recommend that, yeah. <laughs> very niche. <laughs> did, you, did you know these people or did you meet no, them no, at the No, no, I didn't know them. I meet them. I just like, I need something to do because that was at the end of the stay and I thought, okay, I, I can't uh, continue not doing anything. So mm-hmm. what can I do? And then, yeah, backgammon, that sounds fun. <laughs> and then oh, I found this nice. group of people doing it in the pub and then I thought, okay, that's a good uh, good thing to do on Monday evening. <laughs> it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't the board, came, board game cafe was it where everyone was really serious with you know no 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 no, 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 no. Of Catan. Yeah. but actually they were, they were quite serious the club and they have some good good players uh, so uh, it was quite nice, <laughs> nice. that's yeah. A, yeah a niche hobby to pick up but I, I get the point that you, you need something don't you, you need at the end of the day you also need to unwind. I think you need to meet some people also that's not uh, in, in the that in don't India. do PhDs yeah, yes. yeah. you need to mingle with some people that are, that are different uh, because that also helps to Again, zoom out and, and see the bigger uh, picture and see that, okay, my PhD is important, but not that important. And uh, I can have a good life in many ways. And uh, it, it, it helps uh, set pink, uh, put things in perspective. Mm-hmm. We actually we actually had a guest, Patrick Sullivan, a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. And he runs uh, mental health workshops. Yeah. Uh, and he just says it puts things into perspective when yeah. you speak to someone who you know, has never even considered uh, doing a PhD, just you know, stepping back yeah, exactly, and realizing, yeah. well, one, your privilege, and two, you mm. know, the, the the bigger picture of yeah. your PhD. I think that's really important, uh, and I think it helps a lot mm-hmm. with your yeah, mental mm-hmm. well well being too. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm curious to touch on. 
I'm going to say the words, quality of life. So I was just back home visiting uh, my family in Spain and we were having a conversation about what we consider quality of life to be. So, you know, being close to your family, friends, having good weather or good food or, Mm. um, you know, access to public health and funding for PhDs. Is that something that you can comment on very generally in the differences that you've seen living in the UK versus living in Denmark? Okay, so the quality of life in Denmark Mm -hmm. compared to the UK. Yeah, I think I think it's very similar in 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 many ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't I can't see the big differences. Of course, we talked about the roads in uh, in UK, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how much about quality of life that is. But uh, of course, it's. <laughs> I think Bristol's particularly bad. <laughs> yeah. Roads and, and pavements in general. The yeah, pavements, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Not our strongest. <laughs> yeah, but but other than that, I don't think that's the big uh, the big differences. Um, I've not needed the healthcare system over here, luckily, so I cannot comment on that. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, I have my family and friends in in, in Denmark, so so that that uh, gives yeah. me a little bit more quality uh, back in Denmark. Yeah, but yeah. but it's not that it's bad over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to to finish off, what you know, what is the one takeaway? Or what is your best memory from Bristol? And uh, what are you most looking forward to uh, going back home? <laughs> Okay, so my my best memory in Bristol, and it has to be one. Just, just the one. Just, yeah. just one. Okay. Well, a couple. <laughs> <laughs> a couple. Okay. Uh, it's. Uh, I think it's been. Uh, it's also very general. Maybe it's. Not <laughs> but uh, just meeting all the people over here and uh, and experience how the university works over here, um, and then getting in touch with all the the people working with composites uh, because it's. Uh, it is a small, small, relatively small field, uh, and 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 the group in in Nolburg is, is is very much smaller than this here in uh, in Bristol. So, so experience uh, this huge group uh, that BCI is uh, uh, was 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 very nice. I think mm. a very good experience. And then also going to the conference, of course. Uh, <laughs> but that was done Bristol, that so yeah, Bristol, that, it doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the the, the general um, experience of of experience in this this university and. Uh, uh, and, and see how it works. Uh, uh, working in academia in, in another country has been the best best thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what are you most looking forward to going home? Most looking forward to, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, getting some of the <laughs> salty licorice, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a, a rye bread or something you can get in there. <laughs> nice. Back, back in to UK. the food. <laughs> back to the food, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of rye bread in the in UK. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, that's what I look forward to the most when I go to Spain. The food. Yeah, the food is a <laughs> the huge, tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've really enjoyed it here. So it's not the, yeah, it, it's it's the food is the only thing that's <laughs> really pushing. I, I think most people can relate to that. Yeah. For sure. but, yeah. I, but I don't think uh, British food is, is bad. You don't have to save it. Yeah. As the Brit, I will say our food is not as good as a lot of Europe's. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> Particularly yeah. Spanish food, and I've not been to Denmark yet, but I'm yeah, sure. It's, I think Denmark is very though. similar. Yeah. yeah. Lots but of I, fish. Lots of fish. Not that much as as you would like, uh, because really? it's, it's close. It's coast everywhere, but yeah. a lot of people don't eat fish, and that's a really shame. So, uh, uh, as in, there's a lot of vegetarianism, or a lot of uh, pig eating. Not fish eating. So, uh, Fair uh, yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of a shame, but uh, yeah, you can get a lot of fish if you want. Well, nice. Uh, okay. I look forward to going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, Peter, for coming along to the podcast. It's yes, been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
This episode was brought to you by Claudia J. Martin and Matt Bone. The episode was edited and produced by Ivan Moraviev, Rachel Ward, and Paul Spencer from the Bristol Doctoral College. We hope to see you again in the next episode.